Welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club, where Chuck has just unleashed his inner mutton. <laughs> yes, I have. That's what, that was a good time. We were we were driving through Darwin. Nick was eating an ice cream cone, well, an ice cream bar with chocolate covered, and a breeze went through the window and pulled a piece of chocolate off of his chocolate bar and slapped it onto um, Mark Spataro's face. Mark Spataro's face. Yes, that's correct. And Nick didn't notice and kept on talking. <laughs> and Mark Spataro's like, really, man? Come on. It happened twice. So that was pretty fun. All right. I don't see any chocolate flying off your little treat there. But. I don't have a Mark Spataro to put it on right now. So It's true. It's true. Well, yeah. So? Nice things. Good? So, Yeah. How about really you? good here. Really got good? Some new, some, got a new package from FedEx yesterday, and um, I joined the club. Which club so, is uh, this? I'm trying to be cool like you, man. Mm, still unclear <laughs> in which way you are talking about. Oh, okay, okay. you got to be more specific. I, my, my pair of diamonds arrived. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're pretty sweet. Are you... Uh, are you stoked? Once, what? Tell, tell, yeah. tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> they're they're really cool. Uh, they're from Terry Burwell, um, and uh, yeah, he made some nice uh, diamonds there. They look really good. The female's got some really nice dark color, you know, kind of along her uh, dorsal. Uh, the you know, oh, man, why can't I think along her spine? So kind of a dark around the lighter elements there. It's pretty cool looking. So hopefully that'll continue as she gets some size nice so, yeah pretty stoked to finally be working with a pair of diamonds <clears throat> ben had some back in the day and we uh worked with those for a bit but there were all these rumors going around that cypress creek's diamonds were impure and so we got rid of them and then we found out later that that may may not be true so yeah who knows oh but i, I remember those days I know, right? Everybody's trying to disparage everybody's animals because they don't look perfect. Yeah. Like, like the one picture in a book or something, you know. But then when you go look at wild diamonds, there's pretty pretty nice variability in those mm-hmm. things, which is one of the reasons for the book, right? That was kind of, you know, the first edition of the carpet book, I wanted to really highlight the variability of wild carpet pythons and so i hope we achieved that and i think we did it even more so with the second edition and included more uh, diverse photos of wild specimens although it is kind of surprisingly hard to find wild diamond photos from outside like outside of the sydney area not many people find them you know kind of further south uh at more the more extreme extent of the range so most of the pictures we have are kind of from a smaller area but i think that kind of highlights it i don't know but yeah i'm stoked they're cool i don't have them when do i get to see like side yet, of, but, you know like they're they're I'll still pretty little right huh? now <laughs> they're, they're pretty <laughs> yeah little. they're they're there's they're juveniles for sure yeah um i mean they've got a little size on them but yeah they're really really looking good so um and then I, I got another package the other day as well. Jesus, so I, dude! I know. I don't know what's wrong with what, me. What? I'm just like getting all these. Okay, projects okay, for okay. Some I'll bite. I'll bite. 
<laughs> what did you get, Justin? Um, this is a, a legged reptile this time. Um, I got a group of Bino's geckos or Bino's geckos, however you mm. want to pronounce it. From they're an Australian species, so staying with the theme there. They and they the are criteria. another parthenogen. So oh. they lay eggs that hatch into more females, and so yeah, they're kind of cool. So nice. I yeah, I've been I've been wanting to get those for quite a while, and and I thought I think like uh, Josh's frogs carried them, but every time I saw them at a show and asked them, they didn't have any. So. I saw a group for sale on Morph Market and picked them up. So, yeah, they're pretty cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah, looking forward to working with those. And then the uh, collared lizards are doing well, my little office pets. I did give one. I I got a trio, but I gave one of the females back to Brody because she she was a little smaller than the other two and she just was kind of like always hiding and looking like she was stressing out so I'm like yeah I better just do a pair so went with that nice there yeah (laughs) it's just funny because you got half of your face on and half off of the screen oh really so I was gonna I see my whole face I I just move over to match it so I see your whole face yeah that's weird Ruby says hi. Hey, Ruby. What's up? How's Pete Call doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to watch these diamond pythons get bigger. Oh, I got woma eggs too. So it wasn't the best uh, circumstances. I I was checking on all my gravid females, and there were eggs scattered all around the the enclosure. So. She didn't wrap them or anything. They were just kind of pushed off to the side. And there were only three that I could find in a slug. So I wasn't sure if she was for sure gravid. It was kind of one of those where she I guess she didn't have many eggs in there. There were only three. But um, I guess three is better than zero. So as long as I as long as they can hatch, they where they, you know, were outside the she didn't wrap them or anything, you know, you never know how much they desiccate, and that's kind of a death sentence for python eggs in a lot of situations um so hopefully the nest box that she was in will had enough moisture to kind of limp them along and they can maybe hatch out but yeah blackheads blackhead eggs are still going strong i did have one kick the bucket and it was kind of the smaller sluggy looking one from the beginning it was maybe a a destined, destined to be a bucket kicker I think so. Yeah. So it didn't surprise me. Let's just put it that way. But, okay. So we'll see. Oh man, I was I was bringing the the woma eggs in last night after I after finding them. I just put them in with the blackhead eggs because they're in a pretty good sized container, and I needed one immediately. So I just put them in with the blackheaded eggs. So hopefully that works out. But um, as I was coming in the house, I I had some pinky mice in my hands too, and so I was. Uh, you know, I, uh, was going to freeze those down for later and, and, uh, it, you know, euthanized them there, just sitting in my hand and went to put them in the freezer and dropped one of the eggs on the ground outside. So it was like, uh, man, I, I keep making really stupid mistakes, but what do you do? So we'll see if that one hatches after taking a little tumble and onto the, uh, driveway there. But, um, yeah, one of these days I'll learn. Some jobs are a little riskier. Right. Being an egg at Justin's house, risky job. Uh, 
Nah. Don't want to be an A around here. I mean, (laughs) yeah. And especially because it's like you don't want to, like, of of course, of course you dropped it outside. Like, of course. Of course. That's where it's going to drop. Yeah. I mean, it landed on some stuff, so it didn't, like, hit the cement. So hopefully it kind of had a more gentle landing and I knew which orientation it was in. So I don't know. I don't know. They're... It's already a bad situation. I'm just making it worse. But what do you do? Consistent. So we had a, a a beautiful spring day yesterday. I actually got some snakes shipped out, so that was kind of nice. All the snow had melted, and everything was looking all springy and nice. And then this morning, I, so yesterday, like I was thinking, ah, maybe I'll get some get another group of uh, inland shipped out and so um you know i had a bunch of people that purchased them back in the fall or or winter when i put them up uh i i started going through my waiting list and and then uh i i went to or i shipped some out on tuesday and then i'm like i better get the others out you know just to well the weather's so nice and then got the others uh, the other four out yesterday and then this morning I woke up to a couple inches of snow on the ground again. So we're just kind of back into it. But it looks like it's pretty much gone. I mean, there's still a little bit on the ground. But, yeah, nice little Utah spring. So Yeah, you're definitely not safe in April yep. in Utah. from Yeah. Not that California was much warmer. We, uh, we did a little trip, uh, spring break trip to California, and it was a little chilly out there. <laughs> Nice and windy, and we jumped in the ocean. We were about the only. I call. I called them and told the them you were coming. So oh, yeah. I don't, to you know, set us up with some weather to make us. Right. I, I don't want you to yeah. feel like you're, you know, being grossly gypped by living in a state that maybe doesn't have as nice of a climate. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. No, no, your snow you really made us feel comfortable. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> you, yeah. you're good. You're good. that. I, I that ocean was pretty frigid, but it was yeah. it was fun. Dude, no. There was another family down on the beach as well, and uh, we we you know they were kicking around in the waves too. And I walked up to our vehicle and. They were at their vehicle, and they were also from Utah. So <laughs> the only people crazy enough to be out on the beach were from Utah. So, yeah, good times. It's awesome. But doesn't know, matter. Hey, yeah, whatever brings the Utah people together. And if it's California, if it can be California, man, I'm here for you. Here <laughs> well, it, was, it sounded like it was St. George because most of the state went down to St. George to try to escape the the weather and it snowed and rained down there on them. So they did gotcha. have a much better time than they would have up North. So yeah. Um, good times, but we, we wanted to do a little last trial the, the super bloom was nice though. We went up nice. to the poppy reserve up in, uh, orange County. I mean, you don't have to say I t- that I told you so, but I, I did tell you yeah. so. So. No, we tried to. I tried to kind of steer him towards Borrego just because I wanted to get out there and have a kick around in Borrego. But we didn't have a ton of time, so it would have been a little bit of an undertaking. As it was, I think we drove about two hours to get to the Poppy Reserve. But it was pretty. Those orange yeah. flowers are nice looking. There, the first, yeah, we uh, we stopped at kind of a like it was almost like it was like a field, and and I don't know if the poppies had grown there or if they were planted there. It looked like they were kind of invasive in some farmer's field and he 
was taking advantage of it or, or well, I guess he was just letting people check out the poppies because there was, you didn't have to pay admission or anything. So we just walked and took some pictures in the poppies for the, the girls had a blast doing that. And then I did sneak a little herping in. So after I our, I was uh, waiting for it. I'm <laughs> yeah, waiting. Right? Uh, I had to, I, after our 12 hour drive, um, I, I like dropped the kids off, dropped all our luggage off at Trig and Jenny's and, um, Anson was staying with them again. So, uh, we picked up Anson and he, he and my daughter Ashley went with me. The other two stayed. They didn't want to go out again. They were tired from the drive. You know, that sleeping all the way is pretty rough on them, you know? So, so I, I drove another 20 minutes down to, this uh, spot that a, a friend shared and and there's a little board line and now in the past I've hit this spot a couple times and I haven't found much there it's been really dry like some dried grass and stuff kind of low-lying so and there's a board line that somebody's put out there and so we uh, were you know I've checked the board line a few times haven't seen any snakes and my friend was oh it's there's that's a great place for cow kings you know I, I usually see a cow king there and I'm like oh, I've never Never seen a snake there. He's like, really? That's so weird. But I've gone, I guess, at the wrong times, kind of the drier times of the year. So this time I'm like, it's been raining a lot. It's nice and lush. I'm going to hit the board line, you know, even if it means uh, going right after the long drive. So I drove over there um, and it was like a forest, man. <laughs> the, the, the the plant life was just almost, you know, over my head, some of the flowers and stuff. And the downside was there were a lot of thistles, and so I'm wading through thistles getting poked left and right. I pulled out a couple thorns out of my hand, you know, when I got back uh, after looking. But first couple boards uh, had ringneck snakes, and that was my first uh, wild ringnecks. I hadn't seen any in the wild, so these are the San Bernardino variety, and bright red tail, you know, under un- their their bellies. So up top they're kind of dull, like kind of brownish, uh, greenish colored. And then below, they just have these bright orange bellies that kind of fade into red as it gets toward the tail. And they'll do this little curly, they curl up their tails and kind of flash that red at you as kind of a warning. So, yeah, we saw five or six of those. And so that was really cool. I mean, my hands smelled like shwees, you know, after <laughs> grabbing a few ringnecks. But, um, yeah, we saw half a dozen of those. And then... Uh, um, it, it got dark. So, you know, we were, we kind of got there right at sunset. So I didn't have a lot of time to look and it was hard to find the boards in, in all the growth, you know, you had to really search. It was kind of a little Easter egg hunt there for, for the board line. And then, uh, so we went back at, at after sunset and then it was kind of funny cause I didn't tell my, my friend that I was going there. And then I see he posted some pictures of, snakes that he found it looked like he was at the same spot and so i messaged him like hey i got a got a, got my first ring neck you know and sent him but he's like oh wow that's crazy i went there this earlier today and got a cow king and a gopher and i'm like oh yeah i saw saw your pictures and so he's like well here's where the boards were where i found them and so i went and checked those the next day in like at around noon or one o'clock and Sure enough, the king and the gopher were right there. So, no kidding. Just right where he had found them the day before. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I guess he didn't disturb them too much. And then I think he went back a few days later and found a couple more kings. And, and that gopher, the gopher and the king that he found the first time were still there. So, our two, uh, you know, interruptions of their daily, uh, 
comfort or whatever was, uh, didn't, didn't dissuade them from using those, that board line. So they were cool with it, but I don't know. I always wondered about that. You know, if you disturb something, um, in their, in their home, if they're gonna, you know, not use that site for a little while or, or ditch it, you know, and I, I imagine some species are more sensitive, whereas like a king and a gopher probably aren't as sensitive, but I did see a few repeats on the ringnecks the next day too. So I saw, and then I saw another five or six. So all in all, we saw probably 12 ringnecks. Uh, my first king snake in California, well, California king snake, <laughs> I did see a mountain king snake, uh, on that California trip we did with, uh, the NPR crew. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so that was kind of cool. And then the gopher was pretty nice. Had some nice yellow on it. Pretty good size. Um, I, I kind of, I was kind of stupid with the King. I was trying to get pictures of it. Right. And I was trying to put it under my hat or whatever. It kept cr- crawling away and then it crawled. I thought it was just going under the board line. So I'm like, I let it go. And I thought, well, maybe it'll coil up under the board. And cause there's just so much, vegetation everywhere i lift up the board and it's gone and then like where it went under the board it actually went down this like gopher hole or whatever that was next like on the edge of the board line so i only got two kind of crappy shots of it before it took off so uh next time but yeah it was a nice trip good to see anson good to see Trey and jenny uh they're always fun to see and their daughter manya was was there as well so we got to see her and play some games. Trig's always a big gamer, so he had some fun games for us to play. But, nice. Yeah, Anson took the girls for a ride on his uh, motorcycle, so they they enjoyed that. But it was a fun fun trip. So, yeah, is Ruby done playing with her? I don't, dude. Time? We just <laughs> we just opened the new park box, and you give them the, – yeah. so the toys are cool for them, but – they basically so it's mostly ruby but she jumps on it she rips a hole in it she pulls all the insides out of it grabs the squeaker (laughs) shreds the sweet squeaker into pieces and then leaves it all on the floor and just walks away yeah that's like you're like that's some money well spent (laughs) destroys it in a just yeah (laughs) she is absolutely preoccupied for about a good 45 minutes and then after that it's just cleaning <laughs> it's up done. the kitchen yeah cleaning up yeah. the corner of the kitchen <laughs> yep that's so. funny we we bought it we had our our uh, dog annie uh, she passed away a few years ago which was really a sad deal but um she was such a good dog but um she was out she was an outside dog and it was kind of cold and so heidi um made her a, like a blanket like you know uh, a little quilt type thing and uh and put it out there in her kennel for her to kind of cuddle up in and she came out the next day and that thing was just trash like shredded you know she just chewed it up and spit it out that's awesome <laughs> she's like that took me like three weeks to make <laughs> uh, and we i mean we bring her in the house during those cold times and she would just sit at the door and whine she wanted to go back outside because it was too hot in the house or something crazy she she loved it out there yeah she'd go roll in the snow and stuff but yeah i miss that dog i'm sure she appreciated the the quilt yeah i'm sure she did 
well, um, man, that there's some pretty crappy news coming out of Florida. It sounds like those fish and wildlife that euthanized a <laughs> snake that was not legal during their euthaniz- euthanization of a bunch of snakes that I guess were were illegal. I didn't yeah. really. I probably should have read the story, but. I just see all these posts going around. I don't want to see a snake being killed, so I didn't really open those. But looks like a kind of a black eye for the fish and wildlife in Florida. I mean, uh, I don't know. Do they even do they even take black eyes? <laughs> yeah, you never know. No, I, I think I think they do. I think this negative press is probably going to hurt them a bit, and they're probably getting chewed for it. You know. I hope, but I remember there was a, there was a case in Utah and, uh, they, you know, it was Ryan Hoyer and his rubber boas. I don't know if you heard that whole saga where they confiscated them because one of their informants told them that he had an illegal locality, which he didn't, he had paperwork for everything and all his stuff was above board and they confiscated his whole collection and they had like 30 days to make a case and they didn't make their case within like 120 days, you know, and just dragged it out. And he kept requesting his animals and one by one they were dying under fish and wildlife care. And so he sued the state because they found no wrongdoing and they returned like a handful of rubber boas to him and the rest had died. And he was just furious, you know, so he sued the sued the state. And he lost the suit, so that you know cost him a good ten grand or something. And mm-hmm. and it's just like you can't fight city hall. They did everything wrong, but there was no accountability. That's, you know, it's ridiculous. That's how I mean. And but but they did. They had to come do an inspection when I moved up to Smithfield and got my business license to make sure you know everything was above board with my facility and stuff. And they were, they came in and I asked them about that because they said, oh, you know, we need to make sure you don't have anything illegal. And I'm like, yeah, you check. I don't have anything illegal, but I'm just curious. What would you do if I did have something illegal? Because my friend got all his stuff confiscated and he didn't have anything illegal. And they're like, oh yeah, we, we know that one. I mean, we're, those guys got in huge trouble. A couple of them had to either transfer, one of them got fired, stuff like that. So, I mean, there were repercussions to the officers that, and the, the people that were in the, you know, fish and wildlife at the time. So I think they, 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 uh, gave them a little more perspective on how they should be conducting themselves in this because, you know, they, they may not care about it, but we care about the reptiles. You know, I see a lot of those memes going around. Like, you know, if, if somebody killed a cat, the whole world would lose their mind, but just because it's a snake, you know, only a certain number of people care. It's, but it's the same thing. I mean, you're killing something for no reason. So they should be held to that same standard, but what do you do? Hopefully this will teach them a lesson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I wish I could say I'm surprised to, to read that, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, yeah. I'm not. And I, yeah. I wish I, again, you know, one of your strengths is your positivity and your, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what makes us a good duo, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> You're the yin and I am... The caca. (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going. That's that's not where I meant to go. I don't know how it got there. (laughs) Right in the crapper. 
Listen, well, she's like, to... she no, she she's now she's brought it over here. She's like right behind me, just squeaking. <laughs> yeah. Play with me. Oh my Play god. With me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. You about about ready to fight after you're done? Ah, uh, uh, I'm screwing around over seven. here, man. Yeah, sorry, no. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to introduce the topic, or do you want me to? I want you to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this kind of arose from a little conversation, phone call we were having the other day. We were talking about morphs and kind of like some of the some of the morphs are very difficult to, uh, you know, even see that they are morphs. You know, you've got some that just kind of look normal or or may have an additive effect to others, and some that are polygenic, and some that are simply you know inherited. So we thought, uh, let's talk about, you know, that in in regards, you know, mainly focusing on maybe ball pythons, or not ball pythons, carpet pythons, because we know them the best, but maybe including some of the things that are seen in ball pythons, and because they're probably the most well-established in regards to morphs. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we're going to kind of fight about what what does or what doesn't constitute a morph or... <laughs> You know, so we're gonna kind of take the side of um, everything out there that is is claimed as a morph is a morph versus um, only a limited number of of morphs are truly morphs. Does that sound like a good way to split it up? You had me at morphs. <laughs> I know your love of morphs. Morphs. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully this will be a worthwhile topic. But you know, I think it I think it deserves some some discussion. So um, let's go ahead and do the coin toss. Oh, that's tails. It is. Good job. You got your tails. What side do you want? I I want to be on the. I don't know. <laughs> Hey man, this is this is your suggestion, man. <laughs> I thought you'd have it all ready to go. No. When you won your coin toss, you'd know exactly what you wanted to fight about. I'll I'll do that that wait, how's it go again? Is it not all not all <laughs> morphs or morphs or wait what or what, what Yeah, is, like what there's is, there's probably a lot of morphs that we could probably say are are not true morphs. Or, I'm on that I side. I guess it's, I'm on it's that kind of how you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna take the side of everything that they everything say is a morph, morph is a morph. You okay. can take it to the bank, man. Okay. So I assume I'm going first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won. That's not an Come assumption on, at this point. Okay. You, you just. I don't you know just, why I even ask. I just think it, one of these days yeah. you're going to like be like Scrooge and have a chance. Yeah, but but but, but, like, but buy a Christmas goose, Justin. But that's for me to do, right? Like, so I that's win true. the coin that's toss. True. I I pick my side after laborious, you know, choosing, <laughs> and then you just go. And then the one day you don't go, or the one day you go, and I'm you're like, like Justin, excuse me, Justin, wait, I'll take this one, and you'll be like, yeah. oh, dude. Thanks so much. You know what I mean. So I have to wait. I can't yeah. like. You know what I mean. Okay. Okay. I got you. I'll just. I'll just launch from now on. <laughs> okay. So, um, I think you know if you look at the definition of. I mean, what does morph mean? Morph is a shortening of morphological variant, right? So I guess you know. First of all, you have to have a standard standard look. Right. So and I think with a lot of snakes, you can get 
kind of that standard look. Um, California king snake, right? Like a uh, just a banded black and brown, or, or sorry, brown, black or brown with you know white or cream striping, not striping, but banding, right? So. Um, if you find a California King that has a longitudinal stripe instead of the typical bands, you could probably say, Hey, look, a, a morphological variant of the California King snake, it's a striped animal. And so, you know, from that perspective, anything that kind of deviates from the normal would, would probably be fair to call it a morph, right? Would you agree or I guess maybe you disagree, but I'll, I'll let you get to that soon. <laughs> but so that's kind of what I would start with is like, just, just by the definition, anything that is kind of out of the normal would be a morph. So I guess technically, you know, if they, they look different than the regular old uh, version of that species, then it would be a morph. And so I think when things get things get difficult when you don't have like a typical look now um you know carpet pythons come to mind right because carpet pythons naturally are variable there's a lot of different uh colors and patterns and appearances that you can get you know in a, in a given population and i mean if you don't believe that look at any you know uh snake catcher group in in like brisbane and you'll see a wide variety of different uh, coastal carpet pythons that have pretty different looks. Now, when we have a limited gene pool or a limited captive, um, you know, pool in, in the United States, because only a few made it out or whatever, swam across the ocean, <laughs> um, then, you know, you might have more what you think is a standard look because that's what all the carpet pythons in the U S look like is okay. That's a coastal. It looks like this, but then you go to Australia and there's this huge variety. What's the standard? What's the normal looking one for you to say, Oh, that's a morph. Now, you know, if you, if you see something like that's very, very light in color, it's, you know, lacks black or, or it's albino. Yeah. That's an easy call. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a morph, you know. Yeah. But I think there can be variations to what a morph is and but I think it it kind of requires having a, a standard to deviate from, maybe. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's what I would say is a morph is anything that deviates from the standard, but you have to have that standard. Yeah, and that's, that's kinda, how I'd start. That, that that's kinda tough and, and and especially in my opinion with carpets because that like you had said, the, there's such variation in them. So, so the standard can be wide from, you know, clutchmate to clutchmate, um, mm -hmm. and, and you know, given the fact that some, so like specifically, like the red gene in coastals, the the caramel gene in coastals, um, and I even feel like the tiger gene sometimes in coastals makes uh, such a, a kind of a tough, a tough go at it as far as like what is and what isn't like caramels, for instance, you can have caramels, you uh -huh. can have quote unquote super caramels. But I mean, how many times have you heard, where's the line between a caramel and oh, I'm not sure this is a caramel. Maybe this is a super caramel, you know, people can't tell. And that just doesn't sit. I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't sit well with me or it's very hard for me to like, um, when you have these in air quotes morphs that don't have a very, um, you know, a, a very 
defined uh, or, or the the edge of the phenotype is 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 not as clearly defined. It makes mm-hmm. it really hard. You know what I mean? And and yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I don't know. I guess Tiger is one that really messes with me a little bit because you can get people who who have animals that have tiger kind of they're striped. They're really striped, but I don't know to mm-hmm. me, like tiger has a very specific stripe than the way it looks and, and the way it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, stuff that doesn't well, look I, that way isn't a tiger mm-hmm. to me, but there's other people mm-hmm. who be like, Nope, that's tiger right there. They, I can yeah. clearly see it. I don't know. I think that term tiger has been kind of conflated with striped. Coastal carpet, you know, anything that has any amount of stripe. Oh, that's a tiger. But like you said, I mean, tiger came from a certain line, you know, that was Mm -hmm. that that may have been naturally, you know, somebody hatched one out or or got, you know, came out of the wild just with that nice, clean stripe and kind of that lighter appearance or whatever. I, I guess I always think of that vivarium ad picture and say, okay, that's tiger to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so, exactly. you know, I, and again, you know, it came from a specific line. And so, um, and that was probably, uh, line bred or as Warren would say inbred, you know, <laughs> throughout the, throughout the years to bring that phenotype out and kind of clean it up or, or, but it seems like he, you never really saw that many that had that same, clean classic appearance that you wanted you know so i think that that gets tricky once you start out crossing with you know what you have available say you have or or you try to breed it into other morphs and you might end up with something that's not as great and then the whole breeding you know the jags to anything with a cloaca Mm -hmm. as chuck likes to say Mm -hmm. you you wind up with winding up with a bunch of uh, intergrades and then, you know, Oh, some of these are striped, you know, they might have now they're tigers, you know? So I I think things get muddied up. And so I I guess we need to make that distinction between line bread or a, or a line trait, you know, that you've, because I think, you know, especially like a polygenic trait where it's not a simple mode of inheritance. It requires several genes to line up to have that phenotype. So, I, you know, I think it, by definition, it's a morph because it's a, a little bit different. You know, that, that clean striping, you don't see that commonly or, or uh, normally. So you would probably say, yeah, that's a morph. But uh, the mode of inheritance is probably the more of the the discussion from that point, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were clear uh, results of different breeding um, experiments, you know, where where. Uh, tigers were bred to different animals and some of the some of the clutches had no striping you right know, if you outbred it so you could it, it wasn't simply passed on like everybody assumed because these tigers were line bred so of course you know they're gonna have more striped babies if they're <laughs> bred back to their sibling or something like that and so i guess that's kind of my issue those genes. that's kind of my yeah. issue with the with the whole polygenic you know mm-hmm group of of coastals that that uh seem to be such an issue because you know mm. you, there's just it's just kind of it's it's a quote-unquote morph that behaves uh almost like a line bred animal you know like yeah. like 
but which is technically it, it, more right which but, <laughs> i mean i but, guess but, yeah, i just I, but it's just one of those things where yes you know when you have red coastals you know mm-hmm. they're red coastals there's very clear ones in there that you're like yep that's a red coastal born from a red baby you know mm-hmm. caramels very clear sometimes tigers <laughs> sometimes yeah that's yeah. i'm just and, <laughs> yeah and that so, was one kind of where I went the rounds with uh, Nick on was the the caramels, you yeah. know, because there was such a diversity of phenotype. Now, I mean, granted, you could – it was so tricky because, you know, how do you differentiate? If you don't have a genetic test to show, you know, here's the gene that's mutated right, and it displays this phenotype – and you say, well, I outcrossed it to these different females, and they sh- shouldn't have had the, the you know, the color of the offspring or whatever, you know. But I did see them here, and and it was in the expected ratios. Well, what if that's just lining up the genes a certain way, and you know, it's that's what I that's why those kind of morphs that are very indistinguishable. I mean, nobody doubts like a, an albino, right? An right. albino is a clear, and you can it's a you know a, a recessive trade and so you know you can clearly see the difference between the albino and the wild type um caramel is a lot a little more difficult and just the fact that they can't tell if they have a super or not until they breed it and produce all caramels from that animal um i guess that i guess having a super form or being able to produce all caramels from a super um is is guess evidence that they are uh you know, incomplete dominant trait, um, because there is a super form, but, um, you know, I just kept thinking, is there another way to achieve those results without having it be a simply inherited trait? Now, Nick was convinced, and I I think he kind of talked me into it as well, that that is the case with, with caramels. Mm -hmm. But I, I think my, my, uh, reservation for those still is that, you know, you, it's really you can't tell a super from a just a single gene animal you know yeah. it's really difficult to tell so um and i mean and, you know that's just gets into semantics but you know it's, i get it like it, it i get of, it like the the mendelinly inherited genetic traits like genetically striped ball pythons that is mm-hmm. you know a simple i believe it's a recessive simple yeah. recessive yeah. So same with brettles. Yeah, yeah. And same with brettles. Right. Yeah. But then you Stripe, look at stripes and coastals like, oh, my God, it's a mm-hmm. shit show. Right. Like, so. Yeah. It's polygenic. Uh, yeah. So, so, more so like one gene is needed for me. The morphs are those those animals that can mendelinly inherit predictable traits, whether that's striping, hypomelanism, leucism, albinism, whatever, any any ism that can happen to the skin. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in this case, uh, I just, I think now, what would you, be the bet? Oh, go ahead. So, so, sorry. So like, you know, striping it's, and, and, and kind of this, this, this melanism that is the red and the, in the caramel. And I just think that, you know, this isn't like a mutation that popped out in a collection. This is stuff that was brought over here and it popped out because it's in there genetic pool it's in their gene pool um these reds or these caramel looking animals and we're mm-hmm. we're selectively breeding these 
and that's why we're getting, you know, but, but they're not necessarily, and maybe they are, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe Nick's, you know, got the, the incomplete dominant thing down with them or whatever, but it's just, it's obnoxious to have stuff that <laughs> is considered a morph, but yet you're kind of like having to explain it away to people when yeah. it doesn't. Or, or it, selling us possible super, you know, yeah. for the same yeah. price as a caramel or I, I think it's more, it, it falls in with marketing, you know, that kind of, that's where it becomes difficult because, and, and I think the, the thing that also goes along with that is the negative byproduct of, of mutations in mm-hmm. animals, you know, like the kink tails or the neurologic, you know, inner ear issues that jaguars have, um, things like that, where well, you have negative consequences of, of making morphs and some are lethal, like the super jaguar, you know, you don't have those leucistic animals surviving. And so, you know, and, and, you know, people want to make quick money and that's why morphs are popular. It's, you know, because they are cool looking, you know, there's some really neat uh, phenotypes, but we're, we're willing to overlook, you know, a corkscrewing wonky snake because it looks pretty. You know, and so, and, and I don't know, that's, that's gotta, at least in some regard, go back to their worth, their money that what you can sell them for, because as soon as they were not very expensive, then you had all these people saying, Oh, we shouldn't be breeding these. These are not, you know, but where were those people when they were, you know, a couple thousand dollars a piece or whatever. So I, they I were on that's... Morelia Python's forums going, <laughs> I think there's something wrong with these. They kind of screw around. Does anyone else notice this? And Anthony Caponetto and, says And it no, was just Anthony Caponetto <laughs> in a sea of people with twonky jags going, no, yeah. there's nothing to see here. These jags do now, not I, wobble. I get it. When, when, when a project first starts, it's hard to know if that's a consequence of the gene, if that's you know, predictable and, and, and you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But the by the time that, that, that thread had burnt <laughs> itself to the ground, it was yeah. pretty damn clear. It was that pretty he clear. knew the whole fucking time that those things were yeah. fucked up and he never said anything, but he's a businessman, right? You know, you know that's, a, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's, <sighs> well, I feel like that's PC for something, but all right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, lesser, flashy or less flashy mutations. Uh, I, I always thought, you know, with the yellow belly, I was really, um, the yellow belly ball Python, right? The mm-hmm. breeding two yellow bellies, you can make an ivory, which is a leucistic, you know, leucistic snake basically. Um, but who would have called that, you know, from those, those ivory or yellow bellies? Cause they just don't look like anything. They look like a normal ball mm-hmm. python, but somebody noticed there was some like yellow flecking on the belly scales. And so they bred two of those together and popped out an ivory. It's like, Whoa, same, same kind of thing with like the Mojave. They had a neat phenotype, you know, kind of that, that incomplete dominant, uh, the Mojave is a cool looking snake on, in its own right. And so people are all excited about that. And, the uh, I think it was the snake keeper that that originated those, and they didn't realize that a, there was a super form because they hadn't proved out the morph that far, and so all of a sudden they're selling all these Mojaves, and all of a sudden somebody pops Boop. out a. Uh, I had a, a super Mojave, leucistic snake. Yeah, they're cool looking. They're cool, and uh, and and then you know the, that those blue eyes and white you know white scales. Uh, 
Um, and then they but, were but, like, hey, wait, they're they're more expensive now because they have a super form. And, like, you can't put uh, Pandora back in the box, right? Is that yeah. how it goes? That's that's how <laughs> – that, that's the same. And I guess – let Pandora out. You know, I guess for me, like, you know, I – I, I look at morphs more of like stuff that is is has pretty clear boundaries, right? Like Mojave mm-hmm. to Mojave makes a, a leucistic animal, so it's like mm-hmm. that's very yeah. like stark and very obvious. It's just like when we get into the murkiness of like, well, we don't understand how this works, but we're calling it a morph because we put a name on it, so <laughs> yeah. you know. That's what we're doing, and yeah. over time we'll get enough information. Gun, right? I mean, and, yep. and that's like that's like saying if we do this long enough, we'll get enough information to make the decision that we wanted to make in the beginning. <laughs> well, you can't expect them to wait to make their million dollars until they can prove it out, <laughs> and and nobody wants to wait around and sit on a pile of snakes. Yeah, while they I just the genetics, I just find know? it interesting that a lot of like the 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 true mutation stuff that that like we don't necessarily see coming out of wild populations like granites and like zebras Mm -hmm. and like that stuff yeah a lot of it is has issues right but you don't i don't i've never heard of issues with tigers or or caramels or uh Mm -hmm. or or reds because they're just color phases that happen in populations. They're not truly like mutated. You mean they're morphological variants <sighs> that, that pop up in natural populations. <laughs> I mean, you can say that everything is a morphological variant that pops up in different locations. Except for the wild type. You the, are a morphological variant <laughs> of Californian right now popping up on the internet. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think there are some definitely, the uh, you know, morph projects that are marketed as, as morphs, like maybe, maybe like the blue lines in, in, um, green tree pythons, you know, you have some, a snake with a lot of a high amount of blue and, but isn't and that, isn't that, and that just a change from the normal and then isn't that what you said it was? Yeah, I mean okay. it is a morphological variant, but that that mode of inheritance is what is lacking, and I think that's what whoa, that's whoa. where people go wrong. But I thought we they, had, I thought we had, I didn't think we had a problem with that because we're not exactly. No, what what sure. I'm saying is anything can be called a morphological variant if it's different from the right. normal, you know, yes. phenotype. I agree. And so you. if you have an animal like a green tree python that has a lot of blue markings, you know, that could be considered a morphological variant. Now the, I think the discussion lies in, um, how predictable that is or, or how, you know, how that's inherited or how that's passed on to the offspring. Obviously, with with the blue and in green tree pythons, it's not a simple mode of inheritance, and so you've got a number of of genes that need to line up to make make it look different. And now, I think that was also complicated because people were creating hybrids; they were breeding the two different species. And I guess there's a few subspecies in there now of green tree python, which you know everybody kind of knows that 
if you make hybrids, you usually have some weird phenotypes in the hybrid animals. You know, you look at a, uh, super ball or something, you know, where you bring a ball Python to a blood Python or some, or angry ball or whatever they call it. You know, there's some pretty cool looking animals in, especially in the, the F2 generation of, of those hybridization events. Um, but yeah, you, you mix two different populations that have, that have, you know, um, split and, um, differentiated from each other genetically, you mix those back together and you're going to have some weird looking things like the sickness or some of those other weird ball or green tree Python, um, morphs or morphological variants. Morphological but if you're trying variants. to morphology, if you're trying to get those, if you're trying to produce more of those, you're going to be pretty frustrated because it, it's a, uh, it's a lot of different genes that lined up in just that way to make some crazy looking snake. Whereas typically you're not going to have that. You're just going to have, you know, the default, which is just a plain green snake. And so, you know, which is completely beautiful. And I don't know why we need to make morphs of something as beautiful as a green tree python, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, I like some of the aspects. I like to look at some of those things, but like, I'm not going to spend 10 grand on that animal, you know, but I like to, I like to look at pictures. Um, and a lot of those kind of have that crazy phase as a, as a juvenile. And then they kind of lose out as, as we go along. So as they are morphological variants, they're not simply inherited. And so that kind of upsets people when they pay a lot of money for the genetics, but the genetics are polygenic and are not simply inherited. And then they don't get offspring that have that crazy look and they go, well, what did I spend all that money on? You know, I why Justin, it's like, are gambling, you saying right? that, are you saying that, that, that sometimes genetics is poppycock and that maybe no, there's still genetics around it. Yeah. There's still genetic traits, but not but, simple genetic. But traits. polygenic poppycock might not be a bad word sometimes. <laughs> that's the, that's a, yeah, that'd be a good name for a band. Polygenic, <laughs> polygenic poppycock. <laughs> that's a good Czechism. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's where people run into problems is yeah. when they mor market them a, a morph where in, in most people's mind, they think morph means I breed this to this and I get this, you know, I breed het to het and I get some albinos or I, mean, I breed and I feel like a, a Mojave to a Mojave and I can get a white snake at, you know, 25% of the time, you know, per, on average per egg. So yeah, I think that's what people have in their mind is a morph. And so then when you sell an expensive animal and say, hey, this is a morph, and then you breed it and you don't get more of that phenotype, you're like, hey, I want my money back. I got swindled. You know, you didn't get swindled. You just didn't understand the mode of inheritance. It still is a morphological variant or morph, just not a simply um, simple genetic version of, of, of you know you're not going to get a simple inheritance oh moment. my god in my head there's somebody <laughs> who's like yeah man he told me it was this and it wasn't this and he said that it just wasn't the correct morphological variant what the hell is that supposed to mean man <laughs> yeah yeah i, just, I, I mean I just, it is you know what I'm saying? i understand like, I just, you know i what's, just think that most yeah. people like when you tell them it's a morphological variant and they, and they heard it was a morph. A morph. Yeah. And, and they just have a 
they they have this pre and rightfully so you should mm-hmm. be able to predict a mode of inheritance that's why there's a punnett square and that they've got very clear math they did you know that's why the math works yeah. on that stuff right because it's well, predictably like, like inherited like you said i mean a, a lot of people try to get the money before they prove out the morph like i said i said that sure. you know a lot of people go for the sales and say hey look at this animal it came from this animal look how crazy this animal is don't you want more like this aren't you willing to pay 10 grand you know and and i think that kind of pyramid scheme mentality led to a lot of disillusioned people because they did you know later on when the morph was proven to be not simply inherited but needing several genes to line up and so you it was very rare to produce that phenotype they were a little like hey wait i i was not informed properly now you know i guess it's kind of a buyer beware uh, scenario you have to do your research and see you know is it worth the risk do i want to take this risk um I was offered some of the first did, zebras did, that came did, in the did, country. Do you and see? And it was obviously, you know. But do you see? They did. <laughs> Are you going to let me finish? <laughs> no. Yeah. The, the zebras that first came into the country, we, we were offered those. And this was before we knew there was a super, right? So it was just the, the zebra pattern and stuff. And so I said, okay, that's worth, you know, that's worth the risk. And we knew they were, you know, kind of a incomplete dominant trait where you'd get some zebras and some normal jungles in, you know, when you breed zebra to normal. And so I'm like, okay, that, that, you know, that looks like it's an, uh, at least an incomplete dominant or, you know, some kind of trait there that's being simply, uh, inherited. And so, but then after we'd purchased them and we're waiting for them to come over from Europe, they found out there was a super form that was a patternless. Now, we didn't know the issues with the patternless necessarily at the time. I think a couple of them had little balls at the end of their tail, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, then we had that information. So we bought it without knowing there was a super. But then when the super came along, it was like, okay, that's kind of a, a nice little bonus. But seems like the supers are a little weaker than the zebras. And so I don't even, I haven't, I produced one super, but it died in the egg. So I haven't had a live super pop out and I haven't done a lot of zebra to zebra breedings just because of that. And they haven't looked all that great, but anyway, that uh, was kind of yeah, the they really don't so, do any, I mean, I, I kind of held out some hope for those things that they could clean mm-hmm. them up and really yeah, get them really bright. Refined. Mm-hmm. Just didn't pan then, out. Not really. But, that but if I would have gotten, if I would have gotten that zebra and, and it would have, you know, I bred it to something and I got no zebras, I would have been like, wait a second. You know, I thought half the offspring on average, you're supposed to be, um, zebras and, and none of them are, you know, I'd be a little, um, upset. And, you know, some of those early project had some people like swapping out hats for normals. And so people would buy hats and get no, you know, none of the, the, uh, do, do, you, uh, morph. Do, do you remember that when Anthony was, was running around just absolutely telling people that tiger was a, was a simply inherited. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Oh yeah. I, I mean, that. that was a, the, 
And then to he, me, he that's just to burn me to the ground because I I disagreed with him on that and said it was a polygenic trait. Oh yeah, he he he. But he knew, like he was convinced. I I guess that's that's my thing is like you almost have these instances where you're shown the true intention, and the intention was always to pass them off as a morph mm-hmm. and sell a ton of them and. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get the production going because it's not a fucking true morph. You know, it's it's a, it's a, morph. It's a polygenic. It's not a morph. It's not. It's a stop. Polygenic. Stop. <laughs> stop. Just stop with the nonsense, man. It can be a cool thing. It doesn't have to be a, you know. I guess my, my point in doing that is to, to make people aware there's different kinds of morphs, right? You can have something that looks very different from the normal. But that doesn't mean it's simply inherited. That doesn't mean it takes one gene and you're going to get that look in the offspring right. right away. I mean, you could you could say the same thing for albino, right? If you sold somebody an albino and they bred that albino to their normal, you know, then they wouldn't have albinos in that first generation. And they might be upset and say, hey, I bred this albino and I didn't get any albinos out of it. Well, it's because the mode of inheritance is a simple recessive uh, trait. So you need two copies of the gene to express the that phenotype. And you passed one copy to each of the offspring, not two. And so you have to breed the hets either back to the albino or to each other to get that uh, those two copies of the gene to line up. And I guess same I'll, thing with I guess I'll switch yeah. it from look at it from a different angle. You know, if if you're investing in morphs or if one of the reason why morphs are cool is that you can predictably put two animals together and predictably get mm-hmm. what, uh, uh, some reasonable ratio of morph to non-morph or, you know, outcome, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But you can't do that with s- some of these like polygenic you know, you, you can't do that. So like what, so, and I guess at some level you could sit there and be like, well, everything is morph. I mean, at some level it's all genes, so it's all inherited. So any weird little thing is, you know, I mean, like that's what I'm saying is I think that's a, that's a (laughs) shitty little chintzy way to win your argument. Well, no, I'm not trying to win the argument. I'm trying to educate that if you everything's genetically based. I mean, you're not you don't have a phenotype necessarily that's not genetically based. Can you can you name a, a morph that is not genetically based? You know what I mean? Like there there's yeah. some kind of there, there, the genetics drive the phenotype, right? right? I mean, maybe there's some kind of case of of uh, you know some weird mode of inheritance or, or uh, you know the oh, what's it called the non-genetic inheritance um where epigenetics epigenetic inheritance there you go um so you know you might there might be something out there that that is epigenetic we had to have ben on here he could probably you know educate us on all those kind of things but um if you're getting into a project you should probably ask a lot of questions to try to figure out what the most likely scenario for the inheritance of this trait is. And if you have a breeder that's not sharing that information, either they don't know it, they haven't done the work to figure it out, or they're trying to swindle you for money. (laughs) You know, try to, I mean, I think another good example of that is the, the Maclots 
bred to a carpet where they, the car plots or whatever. And then somebody bought the car plots and then just forgot to mention that they were a hybrid. And so everybody's like, Whoa, look at those crazy looking carpets. I need some of those. And then they found out it was just a hybrid of a, of a carpet and a Mac lots, you know? So people, and I think a lot of the, the big name breeders were fooled into thinking they were something special, you know? And, and I think when you get that excitement or the, the dollar signs in your eyes, because you're going to get a new morph or, or, you know, ground level of a morph and you're going to make all this money off of it, then, you know, you're probably going to get taken some of the time. If your focus is on making money, you need to say, wait, how is this inherited? You know, and if they don't know, then you you roll those dice. That's up to you. But try to get as much information as you can before you spend your money. If you're if you're looking to get that that morph, that different looking animal, because it could just be somebody spray painted a carpet python black and said, "Hey, this new melanistic carpet python. Send me, you know, fifteen k, and I'll send you one." <laughs> so then that actually happened. <laughs> so. You know, we we need to be careful with your investment and be careful who you trust. And sometimes it's not a bad deal to wait until you're the you know second stage, second uh, you know down the down the road a little bit from the people who first made it. Because usually there is some refinement of the morphs. People will make them look better, or and they also go down in price. So if you really like that animal for that phenotype, why not wait till that's all worked out? And it's less expensive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Technically, they're all morphs, but the mode of inheritance technically, is, what, is the importantly, technically. that's the important information. Now, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because I've seen some things and I'm like, are you sure that they're calling this a morph? But uh, granted, I haven't really looked into it much, but I'm just like, there. there's like how many million morphs of crested gecko? And I look at them and I go, these all look just like normal crested geckos. Like I, I don't know what they're, they're really kind of reaching here, you know. Now, let's say the lily white, yeah, that's a morph, you know. That's shown to be predictably inherited and, and in a simple recessive manner. So I think I don't know. I haven't really looked into that one that much either. But you know, there are very few non-polygenic morphs in a lot of these things, um, and green trees seem to have that a lot too there's also a <laughs> lot of bullshit where they're like oh look a new spot on this fucking gecko it's a new morph we can sell it for more money yeah like that yeah. is going on and i guess exactly what i'm saying is that i don't like my morphs dirty and all over the place i like them neat and tidy in the box you only accept simple inherited if you do not if you do not fit into the morphological ratios <laughs> that prescribed by mendelin i sir cannot mess with you <laughs> you and mendel would have been great yes. friends <laughs> yes i understand his mendel, about him and his guy. putting people what in boxes <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, you know, yeah. I guess buyer beware, <laughs> do your research, Basically. understand what you're getting into, you know, think about these, how these could be inherited. And, you know, if you're, if you have some weird variant pop up or you get something, you know, field collected, that's weird looking, do your, you know, that's kind of a long road, you know, make sure that's something you want to do. Now, I, granted, there's probably a lot of people that sell, 
dinker projects or things that could be morphs and and it you know it is a lot of work you gotta you gotta breed them to a few different unrelated animals you gotta hold back the offspring you gotta breed those back to each other or to the parents or whatever you know and then you wind up with a bunch of inbred uh, things but you could discover that they're they are morphs so maybe i don't understand how these things operate but could Uh we start up like a dinker morph nft is that a thing? Can we no, make no, that a you're, thing? You're way out of my area. I, I have no clue what constitutes a true NFT. I don't know. Well, uh, as I understand it, I'm, I'm very fungible. I don't. Actually, I'm not non fungible. It's actually nothing that's worth something. Yeah. That's how I've had an <laughs> NFT explained to me, which would make uh-huh. sense that like a Dinker Ball Python project could be an NFT, right? And it could be worth <laughs> yeah, something, but really be nothing. And, now and, you're thinking, and, man. And, and I have come full circle and pulled the two ideas together. Yeah. It's the next big money maker in reptiles. Yes. <laughs> NFTs. NFTs. <laughs> yeah. I have, Coming I have to the you original by, picture of yeah. that morph. <laughs> it's worth more than the morph it is itself is, you know. I think uh, I don't know. I think Mutton uh, Powerlifting Gloves was sponsoring that project. Hey, hey, we we need a shout out to our sponsor. Mutton powerlifting mutton gloves. Powerlifting gloves. Get more of every lift with mutton powerlifting gloves. <sighs> we need to get Nick back on here. We do. That would need have been a Nick fun discussion on. with Nick. He I know. he gets pretty passionate about proving out more. Oh, and, I know. No, yeah. and yeah. And I would love, I would love to give him the ribbing, especially in this discussion. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I love That'd Nick, but. We need to think of another good topic for old Nick. Yeah, on. maybe I, we can. We can always revisit this down the road too. But um, still waiting for that podcast, Nick. I've heard he's been recording some episodes, but I'd like to hear his hear his stuff. You know? <laughs> Got to get ninety six episodes in before we before <laughs> we air anything. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel bad. We didn't get anything last week. We Lucas, the ball last it's week. time to release. Lucas. Rain and release the Kraken. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Well, any uh, cool reptile related news or discoveries you've seen lately? I, I kind of I did a little uh, diving in and looking for some literature revolving around reptiles, and there's some cool stuff out there. All right. You ready for this? What do you think? Did, did T Rex and other dinosaurs like T Rex have? Lips, or were their teeth kind of hanging out like a crocodile? You think they were more lizard lips or crocodile lips? What do you think? Or, or I guess you'd say crocodile no lips because crocodiles don't have lips. Oh my god, dude, stop! <laughs> Is that a good question? Yeah, Come on, it's man. Dinosaurs. This, this dinosaurs picture of this T cool. Rex with these big ass lips like duck lips. <laughs> Like T Rex in an no, Instagram, that would be disturbing for sure. Yeah, oh boy, I, uh, I, 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 I mean, saw I a cartoon this, that I, like I guess like at this point. future fossil. Oh, I saw I saw a cartoon that said future fossil, and it had like two like silicone implants and like these giant silicone lips sitting on a skull, you know, and the silicone Im- implants were on the rib cage. It was kind of funny, but yeah, okay. So, what's your guess? What do you think? Uh, I've got to go lips. Lizard lips. Lizard lips. Way to go, lizard lips. No, yeah, a new study suggests that predatory dinosaurs such as Tyrannosaurus did not have permanently exposed teeth as depicted in some of the films. They instead had scaly, 
lizard-like lips covering and sealing their mouths. Now, it wasn't like mammalian lips. They couldn't snarl and show you their teeth, you know, like a mammal, but more like a lizard where, you know, that covers the teeth and you have to open the mouth to see the teeth. But when the mouth's closed, the teeth are not exposed. That that's their latest thinking. That's kind of cool. T-Rex had lizard lips. <laughs> huh? No. Nice you're job. Not, you're not excited by that. Where's your inner kid? <laughs> Listen. I know. I, I, got, I, get, I get geeked out by dinosaur stuff, I guess. Yes. Okay. Let's try this one on you. Now it's, now it's a bird. This is bird-related news, but birds are technically reptiles. They discovered two species of bird that are poisonous. Is that cool or what? So their feathers have these batrachotoxins, and that might sound familiar if you're into herpetology. Where does batrachotoxin come up? Chuck, I'm going to quiz you here. Batrachotoxin. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. Batrachotoxin. That's found in poison arrow frogs. That's what I was right? going to say. Where do poison arrow frogs get it from? Do you know where poison arrow frogs get their poison? Their diet? Their diet, right? And so they found beetles in the stomach of these birds that have the toxin, the same toxin. But the birds have found a way to um, concentrate that toxin into their feathers. And they were the, the scientists who discovered it like described it when they were handling the birds, trying to get them out of the, the nets that they used to catch them. It was like cutting up an onion. So they're getting these fumes or whatever from the batrachotoxin in the bird's feathers. And then their hands would kind of get uncomfortably warm and kind of tingly or whatever. So, yeah, poisonous birds. Isn't that crazy? I guess they they have discovered pre- uh, poisonous birds before. But these are the first in, in you know, a couple, oh, maybe a century or a few decades since they've discovered one. So one is called the Rufus-naped bellbird, and the other is called the Regent Whistler. So be careful. Don't eat the Rufus, the Regent Whistler or the rufus Yeah, don't mix them up either. <laughs> if, you're, if you're cruising through New Guinea, which is where they're found. Mm. Um, isn't that cool? I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was neat that they can uh, store that. Then the third one that I wanted to, to talk about was they, they have a – they've um, – discovered a an antibody that um, is pretty broadly protective. It's a human antibody, so they found this in people that neutralizes snake neurotoxins across a wide variety of different venomous snakes. So this might be something for our buddies over at uh, um, Venom Exchange Radio Podcast. So... You hear that, Mr. Wolfie? Listen up. Do you hear that? (laughs) So, yeah, um, I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, it protects against um, cobras, mambas, king cobras, which are not true cobras, and uh, crates. So that's kind of cool that they can protect against so many different species um, of venomous snake. So they they actually took a, a mouse... And injected it with uh, venom from a monocled cobra, I believe. And then they injected the antibody and they saved the mouse from death. So it was a, a, you know, they could uh, treat the... Treat the mouse and protect it from death. So I guess if somebody's bitten... I feel like that's a positive way to say that they tried to kill the mouse. 
Wow, oh, I mean, yeah, you're always that's what that's what I do all day is infect mice with viruses and then I know. try to protect them from the virus. You know? I guess you should. That's what, that's I guess what, if that's, that's what, what you what do, you for, take right? the positive side of that, right? That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, that 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 shows us that it's possible to treat somebody that's been bitten by a cobra, inject them with this uh, antibody, and save their life. So it didn't work with with black mamba venom. <laughs> so it wasn't, but it did prolong their lives. So they didn't die as quickly. So there was some protection, just not full protection, and the the mice actually died. But um, you know, step in the right direction, and, and you got that's typically maybe a little difficult to see. Well, apparently that that doesn't happen very often where you have such a wide variety of. Um, protection from different snakes. Now, typical antivenom is is made from like injecting a horse or something like that with some venom and then <laughs> harvesting their antibodies, right? But there's a lot of new technologies coming along to actually discover human antibodies. So, I don't know, I think that would be really cool if you could vaccinate people to snake venom. How cool would that be? You'd, you'd be a lot more you know, easy going and herping, you know, not worrying about lifting logs and getting bit by a rattlesnake underneath the log or something. Cause you're like, nah, I'm vaccinated. It's all good. Oh my God. So, I don't know. Think how sloppy Some cool new research think out how there. Sloppy you'd get if you it's were vaccinated, stuff. you already almost snap on them. <laughs> well, no, that's why I want that vaccine or at least to, you know, have a vial of, uh, uh antibodies in my pocket. I can hurry inject myself, but I guess we kind of have that with the different antivenom. But um, if it's a human antibody, you're not going to have those anaphylactic reactions that you get sometimes with the antivenom, where you're allergic to the antivenom because it's made in a horse or some other species, and so your body recognizes <laughs> that it's foreign. But if it's human antibody, you're like, hey, this is this is. Uh, I'm not going to attack the antibody. The antibody's going to attack the venom. You know, venom. So, I don't know. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. You're not. You don't seem impressed. I you're just doing backflips. No. Come on, man. Did I go Give nay? Did Where's I go kudos? nay when you said horse? Yes, I did. Okay. Okay. That's your, your way of showing sir. enthusiasm. Ah. Giving me animal noises. Listen. Just because I don't contribute the way you contribute doesn't make it not a contribution. Okay, okay, okay. See my artistry, please. I'll take it. I'll look at it in the positive. (laughs) All right. Well, good times. Anything else you want to throw out there? Anything cool you've listened to? I finally got around to listening to the the rest of the Venom Exchange Radio podcast uh, holiday show. And they gave us a shout out. They thought our field, our, our uh, discussion from the field with Dustin and Steve, um, that was their favorite episode of last year. So that was kind of cool. Thanks, guys. That's Gives so me funny. Warm fuzzies. I was so, I was so <laughs> negative on that episode just because it was seemed when we were recording it, it seemed so chaotic and like, so, and then you listen to it and you're like, Oh shit, it was totally chaotic and crazy. <laughs> but that's but why they liked it. Okay. Cause they're like, yeah. you know, they, they're yeah. like, Hey, we were in, you know, I, I, I was convinced. It wasn't that, that was vehicle, like, but yeah, I was convinced <laughs> that whole episode was just 
trash. Yeah, the Eric was going to reject it and yeah. just throw it out. But yeah, yeah it was I like can't. they they felt like they were in the vehicle herping with us, you know, because we'd stop and go, "Hey, we got to go yeah. see this rattlesnake." <laughs> Push pause and come back, and so I don't know. I had good memories. That was a fun one to do. That was a fun. I don't. One. I don't think Steve was too excited. He was focusing on driving, so he's like, "Steve I don't want to sound Steve stupid." Steve was good. Yeah. Steve was. Good. I think he was. He, yeah, tired. He, was, he was. He tired. did a good job. I think he was yeah. tired that night. <laughs> yeah. He he drove like a he champ, did. man. He he did, he drove the whole time, and so. and, and back through yeah. California, they just like drove yeah. through horrible weather. It was like marathon, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was awesome. That was yeah. an awesome trip, though. What a great trip that was. Legit. And uh, Dustin's killing it already down there. Do you see that ring neck he found? I love love the Utah and Arizona ring necks. They're so nice, like that color that. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like kind of an olive blue color. It's really pretty. And then that bright orange and red and yellow belly. So cool. I'm jealous. I need to find one of those. I need to go hit up my buddy, uh, Sean in Utah, and see if he'll take me out looking for those. (laughs) He knows how to find them. Nice. (laughs) But, yeah, good stuff. Uh, I need to get out herping. That was fun to do a little bit, but I'm just itching for more. Got to get the weather warming up. Right I know. Here. I'm waiting for the weather to kick into high gear around here. So yeah, they just fed Aspen it. and Chris. They they're finding a lot of stuff down in St. George. I think yeah. they've already found a speck and uh, you know lutosis, a few nice. different lizards. They're they're already killing it down there. So nice. <laughs> I mentioned to get down with all this rain and stuff. This is going to be a good oh, yeah. season. I think so. Yep. Can't wait for uh, May. That'll be a fun trip. But, Yep. All right. Well, any any other cool things you've been listening to? Boy. You haven't hit the podcast uh, stuff yeah. much lately. I have not. I, I did listen to um, NPR with uh, Tony Hurt. That was cool. Oh, did I, you? I, kinda, I, I listened to it during work, so I was a little distracted with you know work, but I need to go back and listen to it a little better because... He talks about diamond pythons, and he's got some really nice uh, diamonds and and some diamond crosses that are really spectacular, yeah. and some jags and other carpets. Man, Tony's got a killer collection. It's good stuff. He's seen. He's a cool guy too. Really, uh, I got. I got a nice guy. I got to listen to that. So, yeah, yeah I yeah, just check I, it out. I just fed my diamonds again. So, mm-hmm. but it's like it's still kind of cold out. So. See, yeah. still taking food, so that's cool. <laughs> I uh, we should have come and visited you. It would have been cool to see your outdoor diamonds and your Tracy A. You're always welcome, but you got there. Okay, I, I understand. I need to make it down. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll have to look for cheap flights and just fly down real quick, do a little quick herp trip, and fly back. That'd be cool. You know, so it seems like plane tickets are too expensive they are too expensive it's crazy yeah Yeah, two australia trips canceled because the plane tickets are too high (laughs) although i did find a plane ticket for like 1300 but that was from lax so i would have to drive down anyway but i typically do that anyway to save a few hundred dollars on plane tickets but anyway shout out morelia python radio network the pod father himself what a what a guy what a guy um thanks eric and owen and for all that you do and it's good stuff good stuff and uh yeah we're happy to be on the network 
Um, check me out at uh, JG Julander on Instagram or Justin Julander on Facebook, and that's about where I am. <laughs> Posting a lot of bird pictures. I got I found about fifty species in France, so I'm trying to get those pictures up on mm. Instagram. So you might see a lot of birds lately, but I did post up those uh, pictures of the cow king and the gopher snake. So hey, and the ring necks. Do French birds think they're better than other people? <laughs> they stick their beak up a lot. A lot. <laughs> hmm. There were some cool birds out there. They were pretty fun. So I saw a short-toed snake eagle. Whoa, Ooh. that sounds fancy. I think that means they eat snakes, but yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah, they're cool looking. I only got a quick glimpse, so not the best picture. But. All right, well, where can people find Mister Chuck Poland? I am. On Chuck Doors wins. Uh, yeah, I am on that internet, and uh, in you can get me on the uh, IG at uh, Chuck Norris wins, and uh, I'm just Facebook at Chuck Poland. Right on. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, I guess I have a website. AustralianAddiction. Yeah. You do. I do. I don't update it very often, but you can see the you stuff I'm working you with better. to some extent. <laughs> yeah, some are not active uh, projects, and. Others are more active than some, and anyway, some are more active than well, others. That's right. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week for Reptile Fight Club. Later, lizard lips. Fight Club.